You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. And you guys don't have to worry too much about it. I, one of the things that we've been doing for the messages earlier, and I told them if I don't get it to you, don't worry about it. Um, so, but we're going to be in 1 Samuel and... Just a little random, as I told you, I'm, I'm really trying to work my way out of uh, teaching Sunday school for a while, not because I don't love to do it, but just because I want to give people, uh, some other people, the opportunity as well. So, um, but, uh, so we're just going to do some different ones. I'm going to be talking to Ryan definitely about doing a few lessons until uh, he transitions, uh, when maybe Chad finishes up this next series he's on. But, uh, but in the meantime, we'll be in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, does anything come to mind when I mention 1 Samuel 17? Anybody know that? Yeah, that's right, Goliath. And, you know, it's that way, isn't it? You know, when you're in, you know, when you're in, especially if you've been in church all your life, or if you've been in church for quite a while, or, or maybe you've just been uh, blessed to be in a church or just surrounded by people to where you've had the opportunity to really learn about the Bible, there are certain chapters that you can hear the reference and know what it is. And First uh, Samuel 17 is a wonderful, wonderful uh, chapter, one of the great high marks of the Old Testament, David uh, defeating Goliath. And of course, there's a lot to learn here as David defeats this giant. Um, I want to look at this familiar story, at least to most of us, and draw some applications to our lives today because, you know, the, the giant that David uh, had to face here in uh, in the book of 1 Samuel 17 was, of course, a real-life giant. He actually had to face a giant. But I believe there's some good application to giants we have to face in our own lives. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's an illustration, an application that's been made a number of times, the giants we have to face. Um, this, this encounter with Goliath is one of the things that really uh, catapulted David uh, at least in the eyes of man. Uh, they began to see him in a different way when he, this young shepherd boy, who, by the way, had already been anointed as king, he had already been chosen to be uh, the king of Israel, uh, but at this time, he still was, of course, just keeping his father's sheep while his brothers were engaged kind of in the important stuff. At this time, David was just a teenager. Of course, this is a, a great message to young people, but it's a great message to all of us. But I think, you know, leading up to that, I think it's interesting to point out that before David ever became significant in the eyes of man, he had already been chosen uh, in the eyes of God. And I believe it's the same way with us. Just like David had been anointed to be king, and you know, and David's cool because when you look at the rest of his life, you don't think of David as being much of an underdog, but he started off as a pretty major underdog story. He was an underdog in his own house, uh, you know, being the youngest and, uh, of, of his brothers. He was an underdog when he went in this fight with Goliath. But of course, he went on to be uh, arguably the greatest king uh, that Israel ever had. And so he was anointed, he was picked. And I believe in a similar way, in the way of application, it's the same way with us. You know, I don't know what you see when you look at yourself, but when other people saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. And whatever it is that God sees when, he, when other people look at you, uh, I think a lot of times God sees something different. And one of the challenges that we can face is to see what God sees. 
to see the anointing that God has for our lives, the calling that God has upon our lives. So David was chosen to, uh, to be something great, but it was this event that again catapulted him and led to him rightfully taking his place ultimately uh, as the king of Israel, which of course it took a number of years for that to happen. But we'll look at this. Um, I want to say that as we think about the anointing, as we think about, and it's exciting. I think it's an exciting thing when you learn and believe that God has a purpose for your life. You know, and, and, and as you know, that's a, that's a theme that I've almost felt like apologizing for preaching so much. I've told people before. I, I actually sat not too long ago with, with a man, and it was really encouraging to me because he was actually uh, interviewing me for a paper that he was doing, and he, he uh uh, and just during the course of this, it wasn't part of the, the, the question and answer part, but I, I remember saying, man, I really believe in, in that God has a purpose for people. And then I mentioned that. I said, sometimes I feel like I preach that so much uh, that I almost preach it too much. But then he stopped me and he said, you know what? He said, man, don't say that. He said, because honestly, he said, when I came to church and heard you talking about God having a purpose for my life, he said, that was the one thing that really drew me in. It was the one thing that really got my attention that God has a purpose for me. So it's exciting to find out that God has a purpose for your life, that there's something great you can do for God. In other words, right now you might just be just minding your own business, being a shepherd uh, like David was, just doing something kind of behind the scenes. Uh, but then God, all the while, God has chosen you for something greater. And by the way, uh, the way you're able to eventually do something greater, David, this is an interesting thing to study in the Word of God too, but in the Bible... You don't find anywhere where God goes and wakes somebody up out of a nap and calls them to do something. Now, we know that there's times that God, you know, told Elijah to take a nap, and we understand that, but as far as usually when you see God actually calling somebody, they were doing something when they got called. They were doing something. They were being faithful in something when they were called. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's easy for some people. They'll sit back and not do anything as far as using their gifts in church or serving in the church. Uh, and they'll just come back and say, well, uh, you know what? I'm just kind of waiting for God to show me. Well, in the meantime, just do something. Find something to do, amen? Uh, find some way to serve. It don't have to be nothing great or big, but just be faithful in something. And David was just faithful in being the shepherd that, that God had called him to be at that time. But he was anointing for something greater. But that greater thing, one of the big things it was going to start with was here in 1 Samuel 17 when he had to face a giant. Because... That literal giant that David had to face, this giant, you know, the, 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 the measurements that God gives us in the Bible puts uh, Goliath, um, you know, between 9 and 10 feet tall. He was a, a huge human being. So he was a, a, this huge obstacle before him. And I just want to say that for us, every one of us, before, kind of between, you know, and I've preached about that before, you got God's promise, uh, and then you got God's fulfillment of that promise, but then in the middle of it, you got a problem, uh, oftentimes. God says, I'm going to take you to the land, of it, the land of Canaan. Well, wonderful, we've got a wonderful promise, but between the land of Canaan, uh, the, between the, the promise and the fulfillment of that promise was a big problem called the wilderness and the Red Sea and other things. So we always have a giant that's before us, okay? So I want to say some things about the giant, but I want to say that unfortunately, a lot of God's people never even really square off with their giant. A lot of God's people really never, maybe never really get that far. 
Because before they do, there's some other foes that we face, some other enemies that are a lot smaller and a lot less intimidating, but sometimes even more effective than the giant. And these are the naysayers. The naysayers. These are people, these are, and by the way, I say people, sometimes these people is you, uh, your own thoughts and things that you think, but these naysayers, these nagging things that seem to keep you from fulfilling your purpose for God. And, and so I want to look at some of these things, some of the things that David had to defeat before he ever was able to defeat the giant. The first thing we see that he, was, that he had to defeat, the first naysayer, look in 1 Samuel 17, verse number 12. The Bible says, Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among for an and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and the next unto him, Abinadab, and the third, uh, Shema. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But notice verse number 15. The Bible says, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. The first naysayer, if you will, was that of delay. He was held back by his dad. Now, it's understandable that his dad would hold him back, so to speak. Not only is it understandable, it's, uh, it's probably just flat out the right thing to do as far as the dad is concerned. You notice he had, eight, he had eight kids. He only sent the oldest three. So for whatever reason, he didn't feel like any of the five younger boys should go off this battle. But regardless of that, he was back by his dad. He was delayed. And, you know, I think delay, <laughs> Ralph just came in and sat down. Ralph, I think delay, no, 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 I'm not talking about being late. Just hang with me a second. Delay can be one of the tougher things because I tease Ralph because uh, he knows I love him. But, uh, but we all struggle with what I'm about to say, and that's delay. That's God saying, hey, I'm going to do this for you. Remember. Just think about that occasion when Saul shows up, the prophet of God. I mean, this man is a big deal. He represents God in the nation, and he comes to your house, and he actually anoints you to be the king. Well, that's exciting. I'm going to do something with your life. I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to do great things with you. Okay, well, let's go. Sign me up. Bye, Dad. I'm going with Saul. Thank you. I'm going with Samuel. I'm going with Samuel. No. Uh, no, no, not yet. Well, what do you want me to do? I mean, I'm ready. I'm anointed. I mean, uh, do, do, do you got the robes? Do you need to get my measurements? I mean, what do you need to do to get my robe and my crown and, and all that kind of stuff? Uh, no, no, here's what I want you to do. Go back and tend your daddy's sheep. See that hill over there? There's some good grass way over yonder, a few miles away. Just head off that direction, away where nobody else is at, and just take care of those sheep for a while. Delay. Delay. Um, 
With God, timing is always more important than time is. Um, several of us are doing the chronological Bible, and uh, we're in the book of Acts right now. And I was just thinking about Stephen's message uh, that Stephen preached there before the Jews in the book of Acts. And he was, re- he was going through the history of the nation of Israel and their rejection, but he was talking about Moses. And he just happened to mention when he was going through there how that Moses wanted to deliver his people. Moses wanted to deliver his people. What's more, God wanted Moses to deliver his people. But how did Moses try to deliver his people? Remember? He killed the Egyptian. He killed the Egyptian. And the Bible tells us in that message of Stephen that he was doing that to try to deliver his brethren. Now, the problem was, and it was God's will for him to deliver his brethren. Only problem was, he was 40 years too early. 40 years too early, all right? I'm talking about delay. Uh, Do we not face so many delays in in the Bible? You know, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Okay, God, right now, and God sometimes says, well, no, no, what you need right now is to learn patience. The Bible says you have need of patience. Okay? Uh, so, no, no, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm supplying your need right now. That means you just need to trust me and stay faithful during this time of delay. Delay can kind of turn into a naysayer in our lives it, because it can cause us to begin to doubt God, to begin to doubt ourselves. And when I say doubt ourselves, I'm not talking about doubting our ability, but I'm just saying doubt God's calling upon our lives. Doubt that we are and that we can accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Delay. Uh, So, uh, you know, but, but Jesus, you know, Jesus is an interesting example, isn't he? Jesus had a lot of stuff to do when he was on this earth, when he came. I'm just thinking about time. Uh, what did Jesus do for the first 30 years of his ministry? Well, we know a little bit. We know he was a carpenter. We know, we know when he performed his very first miracle. And it wasn't until he was 30 years old. It was at the, at the marriage at Cana. So he wasn't out performing miracles. We know that he was not doing a public ministry so much because he wasn't ba- until he was baptized with, uh, from, from John. Now we know as a 12-year-old boy, he made an appearance uh, in the temple and we have a little that history but i can tell you one thing with biblical certainty jesus was not out blazing a trail for god for the father now and i'm not saying he wasn't impacting people's lives and showing love to people but he wasn't doing miracles and he wasn't publicly preaching we know that much all right so 30 years old he says okay it's time it's time so then jesus had another how much time did he have after that about three and a half years. By the way, how do we know that it was three and a half years? Anybody? We say stuff and we know stuff, but how do we know that? Good question, isn't it? I can tell you this much. We do not know it because through Matthew. We do not know it through Mark. And we do not know it through Luke. We don't know that. We know it because of the Gospel of John. Because the Gospel of John records three different... Um, Yearly feast, and I can't remember which one it is right now, but I can tell you it records three, which lets us know, oh, this was at least a three-year ministry. Uh, so biblically speaking, we get the, the three and a half years comes from John. That's how we can do that. But, but here's the point. Jesus was never in a hurry. 
By the way, he still isn't, isn't he? That's kind of the point we're talking about right now. Never in a hurry. But he was never late. He was never late. And so, how many of you really like waiting? You know, I picked on Ralph when he came in because he's... Uh, the, the, some of his examples are hilarious, but to be honest with you, I don't think any of us just relish and just say, boy, I sure do hope God makes me wait a year for this. You know, we, we uh, I don't know, I think, about, I think about our marriages, I think about raising kids, and, you know, we, we want to we wanna make, we want to do something today with our kids, and then say, okay, that's going to fix everything, you know, or, or our marriage, you know, I'm going to try to do the right thing today, everything's going to be good. Why is things not good? I mean, man, I, I, I tried a whole day, <laughs> right? I've been praying a whole... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, of anybody... It reminds me of trying to eat, eat right and lose a couple pounds. I use, that, I use that example sometimes just because I've lived that so many times. Just because I would... You know, anybody else, you, you're so frustrated because you just, you just about went an entire day and ate pretty decent and without pigging out. I mean, you know, you had these other six days, but, but you can't figure out for the life of you how, why you didn't lose any. You went walk, you, you, you ate right, and you went walking a few miles, and then you, you come back and think, well, good gracious, I didn't lose five, ten pounds. This, this exercise and stuff's just a fluke, and this dieting, well, no, it takes time, doesn't it? But the point is just simply this. Waiting isn't an easy thing, and waiting can become a major discouragement and a naysayer in your life because you begin to wonder. I think about all of the uh, I think about all of the times that God is um, is trying to speak to us. That God is trying to, but it's easy, real easy, to get discouraged during those times. Uh, I'm looking around, seeing I don't see anybody that has our uh, log, Facebook login, but I believe. Uh, I believe Nellie's trying to figure out how to get onto our link. Oh, and by the way, another thing, we need a link. This isn't the best time, but if I don't think about it, it'll never be said. But uh, we, sometimes we'll post a link that's like some not right link. That happens too. Uh, but Nellie's trying to face a, get, get onto a link, so I don't know if you could tell anybody could communicate to her how to go live. But, but the point is just simply waiting isn't easy. Uh, anybody... Uh, Got anything you could say, maybe, maybe a Bible verse, testimony, how, when you have seen or thought about delay being a discouragement in your life? Or sometimes that you maybe have been encouraged, uh, you know, maybe through something that's happened or the timing of God or, or, or a particular verse that you think of when, it thinks, when you think of uh, delay being a naysayer. Any, any, any thoughts on time, on waiting all right, I, I, one of the things I think about a lot of times is, is, is those promises of God. I talked about God saying, I will provide all your needs, friends. But there's a lot of promises in God's Word. One of my, my, one of my very favorite uh, illustrations in the Bible, man, if you just think about it, let me ask you this. Can you think of any other instances in the Bible where somebody had to wait? How about, how about give me some of those? Because I was about to start rattling a couple off, but I thought, I wonder if you can think of sometimes, Danny. Yes, it was. And that's, that's right, Joseph. I mean, and again, he had the, pro he had the promise. 
God gave him a dream. But uh, yeah, first you're going to be sold as a slave. First you're going to be imprisoned. Uh, and then you're going to have to wait another, uh, you know, uh, 10 years. I mean, he was close to 10 years in prison, probably another 10 years before he saw I mean, it was just, uh, just an amazing thing. Yeah, Ralph? Yes. And again, that, that's, that's what I was going to say, because it's interesting to me as we say these things, because honestly, some of the passages that have impacted my life more than any uh, are the two that we just mentioned. The, the life of Joseph has got to be just the, one of the most life-changing, if not the most life-changing passages for me in the Bible. And then Mary and Martha. Man, I get so much out of that passage with Mary and Martha. Because again, we learn some things from that. Both, both, all these cases, we learn some things. I'm talking about we're trying to go face a giant, but here we are stuck. And if we're not careful, we can get discouraged and not be ready to face the giant when the time comes. But in both of these cases, I'll talk about God giving Joseph a dream. One of my favorite things about uh, uh, the story there with Mary and Martha, I believe that's John 11, is when uh, Jesus, remember the lad comes, it's like, a, I believe it's a two-day two two journey one way, four days total, and uh, the lad comes and says, you know, or the, the messenger comes and says, hey, uh, boy, Jesus, Mary and Martha really needs you because... Uh, uh, Lazarus is really sick. <laughs> Do you remember what Jesus said? Remember the message Jesus sent back with that boy? This sickness is not unto death. I imagine that little boy was excited. Well, this is good news. Good news. Here's this little preacher boy going back, and he's excited about preaching his first message to Mary and Martha. You got good news. I want to tell you, praise God. Jesus said this sickness is not unto. What's all these flowers around here for? What's Myers Brothers uh, doing uh, out here? Why are we hauling Lazarus's bed and loading it up in the white van? On here. Oh, Lazarus died. Wait. Well, no, my, the, the message I wanted to give you was that Jesus told me this sickness was not unto death. Uh, and, and by the way, Jesus didn't say he wasn't going to die. He just said it's not unto death because Jesus knew he was going to, of course, resurrect him. Spoiler alert if you don't know John 11, amen? But, but he, he knew that he was going to resurrect him. Uh, that's tough. And you, you want to know what, what else is funny? Imagine, I just, imagine the disciples standing by there. I got a few more of these points, by the way, but I'm not, uh, you know me, I don't get much of a hurry, but... Uh, I, think, I think about the disciples standing by. Number one, he said this sickness is not unto death. And uh, then the disciples were like, well, uh, okay, well, Lord, the, 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 that's great. Uh, and then, 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 just, then they asked something about Lazarus. And Jesus says, well, he said, I think we'll go see Mary and Martha and them now. And, and they said something about Lazarus. I can't remember exactly how the, the whole conversation went. And they said, uh, oh, no, Lazarus is dead. Okay, uh, and, and I know this, the next words out of his mouth were, and I'm glad for, for your sakes that you might be able to see the power of God. Anybody think God's hard to understand <laughs> sometimes? But here's the thing, though, here's the thing. Delay and these promises that God, well, God, you promise. God, you promise. 
the, the reason these, both of these particular ones that got brought up ring so true and are my favorites is this. We see the end of the story. And you see how, okay. Because one thing that's for sure about God is that God's will and God's ways are always a whole lot more clear looking back than they are looking ahead. They're always a lot more clear because you get to Bethany, you see Jesus uh, perform a miracle, raise Lazarus from the dead. We see Mary and Martha and Lazarus's uh, family and friends and community come to Christ to where they probably hadn't done had Jesus just went to the bedside with Mary and Martha and raised him from the dead. Instead, the whole town had turned out by the time he got there. They saw the power of God. You go over into John chapter number 12, and you find out the, the, the difference that Lazarus was making. Literally, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the only other person besides uh, John the Baptist and Jesus that, it was, that they were mentioned by name that they wanted to kill was Lazarus that the religious leaders wanted to kill this dude from a little town called Bethany named Lazarus. Why? Because of this miracle that he did. You see Joseph. You see what God did there. You see the blessing. And so what it does is it lets me say, you know what, Lord, I know you said this. I know you anointed me. I know you've given me this calling, but maybe this just isn't the time. And God, I'm just going to be faithful until that time comes. But that delay can be a major naysayer. Any other quick thoughts on a story that you can think of in the Bible or an encouragement, Zach? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great and, and and that's with that knowledge, man. That's such a great goal, isn't it? I've learned in whatever state I'm in, they're with to be content, and that's definitely what uh, what Paul learned. It's what Joseph learned. Uh, by the way, I love this. One of my favorite things. I. Man, I love Joseph, man. I do. I, uh, I might just have to preach his life again. I just love it so much. But then so many things to learn. But there's, there's a phrase that's repeated a couple times in the life of Joseph. And I think it's cool that Stephen repeated this phrase, uh, this very encouraging phrase, uh, when he mentioned Joseph during, uh, during, during, mes uh, during his message there in the book of Acts. Is that Acts chapter number is that seven or eight? Uh, I think it's eight. But uh, when Stephen's preaching. But there, do you remember this little phrase? Let me see this four-word phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, or the Lord was with him, uh, and, and, and we're in the same situation there. So again, what are we talking about? We're talking about a giant. We're talking about a calling that God's put on us. We're talking about an anointing that God has given us for the, the work that he's got for us, but we're saying a lot of times before we can ever face that big giant, we've got to face, the, we've got to face and conquer that Maybe not so great of a giant, it doesn't seem as intimidating, but it's just simply delay. It's delay. I think about, uh, you know, I, I think about singles. Man, it's hard for people uh, when they're waiting on, well, okay, God, when are you going to, I believe that you want me to marry. When are you going to send this person in my life for me to marry? When is that going to happen? Uh, and it, it's that delay uh, that people face in so many ways, but uh, but by the grace of God, remember that the Lord's with you. Learn to be content. Learn to trust God. But don't let the naysayer, if you will, of delay 
hold you back. The next one I want to notice here quickly is the naysayer of discouragement. Notice, drop down to verse, uh, let's see, look at verse, verses 8 through 11. All right, so we're going back a few verses here. The Bible says, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if we prevail against you and kill you, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine says, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. All right, so they were dismayed, which means they're just, I mean, they're losing all strength. They're afraid. They're, they're falling apart. They're dismayed. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 16. If you skip down to verse 16. And the Bible says, And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Do you realize that? Do you realize it was 40 days that this went on? 40 days. That's a long time. 40 days. Then notice uh, quickly, drop down to verse 23. The Bible says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came out the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. So we've talked a lot. I feel like we've talked a lot about fear here lately. But one of the other naysayers that we face is discouragement discouragement everybody else was afraid and you know what people sometimes you know what i've noticed sometimes as a preacher sometimes people don't want to be sometimes it almost seems like people resent encouragement they say hey, i'm afraid you ought to be afraid too <laughs> you know but there's this discouragement there's this fear this this mocking so by this time uh, by this time, here you are on the verge of maybe you're actually seeing what is going to stand in the way of you accomplishing and, and, and attaining and, and becoming all that God wants you to be. You know, maybe here you are like David. Here you're coming down. He's not even realizing this is the day. He doesn't even realize that this is the time. But all of a sudden, there's this giant uh, there. And this is going to be the thing that if he can defeat this, if he can face this, if he can overcome the delay, if he can overcome the discouragement, man, this is going to change history. And you may not know the day when it's going to come about that you're going to be facing and looking square and looking right in the eyes of the thing that stands in between you and you becoming what God wants you to be. You fulfilling God's calling for your life. And I talk about this as if it's a one-time thing. Sometimes this can be a repeated thing because God's given you victories. You know, especially those of you that have been saved a number of years. You're here today because God's given you a number of victories in your life. Um, but yet there's another one that needs to be fixed. You know, you, so you've already faced a lion and you've faced a bear, right? Uh, you, but, but now there's this one thing standing out there in the way. And there's a lot of fear. Um, Man, I tell you what, I, I'll be honest with you this morning. I feel like, uh, as, I, as, I, as I try to teach this to you today, man, I feel like I can identify with this big time in my life. You know, seeing something out there that looks a whole lot bigger than what I can take on. 
and you know the, the discouragement, the fear that we can allow to set in for 40 days. You ever had something in your life like that? It just like mocks you. And you know that this is something. It, it's mocking you. It seems like it's mocking God. It's standing in the way. And, and, and too many of us, I'm telling you, I know this for a fact, that there's people that sit on these chairs in this church that if they're not careful for years, because remember, what, what was the rest of the army of Israel doing for, the, for these 40 days? Every time he would come out, we didn't read about it, but some of you may remember. Do you remember what they would do when Goliath would come out, onto the, come out to the battlefield? They would all hide, man. They'd all run. They'd get behind rocks. and uh, Man, ain't that a sad place to think about God's people being? Hiding, you know, we preached about that a little bit last week, about, about people being in fear and people being scared to stand up. But sometimes it happens just in our personal lives. And we just start thinking, I, I can't... I can't do this. That's so much bigger than me. Uh, you know, you, you look at problems that you're facing and you're looking at general obstacles of, of okay, uh, really, God, you, you anointed me, you called me, you told me, you wanted me over here, but God, now there's this in the way. I, I, I can't handle that. I can't face this. And so we get discouraged. And, and then... When we see others around us getting discouraged, but man, I, I just wish that I could encourage your heart today as, as I hope and, and want to be encouraged myself today, and that is this, because uh, and, and, I'm not going to get to this passage, but there's a place where the Bible says that one of my, another one of my favorite little passages that have helped me throughout the years, I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, but the Bible says that David encouraged, anybody know what the next word is? David encouraged himself. David encouraged himself in the Lord, so I hope I can encourage myself today also. But as he's facing these things, that, that you say, wait a second, it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about what God can do. But it's real easy to get to the place to where we give in to the discouragement. And I'm telling you, I'm, I, I fear greatly that there's some Christians that for way too long have honestly hid from the mocking giant. And the more they hear the talk, I mean, this is, this is psychological warfare going on here. The more they see and hear this giant, the more they begin to believe. But the bad thing is, the thing we don't realize, it's easy for us to justify doubting ourselves, but there's a reason that we can't really justify it overall, and that's because we're not just doubting ourselves. What else are we doubting? Or who else are we doubting? God. Because he's the one that said he would do it. So nobody said this thing of living for God was ever going to be easy. Nobody said this thing of marriage, raising kids, whatever. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Nobody said it was going to be easy to, be, to, to, to serve and, you know, step up and serve in church. Nobody said it was going to be easy. Nobody said it was always going to be fun. Nobody else was, uh, said it was going to always be, you know, uh, you know uh, that, you, that you're in, that, that in spotlight and absorbing the praise and, and getting all the appreciation that you deserve. It just don't always happen that way. Uh, so it gets hard. Uh, but the point is, by God's grace, man, may we get out from behind the rocks. May we, like David, through the grace of God, folks, we can overcome delay, and by the grace of God, we can overcome discouragement. Uh, 
Are there any other thoughts on discouragement or on those that, uh, maybe, maybe again, some people you can think of in the Bible that faced discouragement, overcame discouragement. Maybe you can think of some in the Bible that weren't able to overcome discouragement. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, Dorian. Amen. That's a wonderful passage. Yeah, Philippians 1.6. And again, it's that promise. And, and that's, that's what we've got to hold on to. We, and, and, you know, another good New Testament passage for that is bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. When I start getting these doubts, and when I start believing the mocking, because it's, I mean, again, let's, let's bring this into the, the, the example that, that we're using here and that God gives us. We've got a potentially 14-year-old kid versus a battle-hardened, nearly 10-foot-tall, tough, killing machine dude. Here's the point. Here's the thing that we get hung up on sometimes. From a natural standpoint, David had all the reason in the world to doubt. And, and, and remember this. Out of anybody anywhere in the vicinity of that battlefield, if there was anybody that you would have understood hiding and running, it would have been David. And I'm just saying that to say this. When we hear those mocking voices, whether it's coming from within or whether it's coming from without, of discouragement, it's kind of easy to believe, isn't it? It's kind of easy to believe it. Yeah, I'm... I'm not up to this. I can't do this. Um, but folks, again, we've got to bring every thought into the captivity of Christ and say, wait a second, but what does God say? You know, going back to, to Doria's uh, Philippians 1, 6. But God said that he which hath begun a good work in you, he which come to your arm and anointed you and called you to be the king, he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. So he overcame delay. Now he's got discouragement that he's going against. And I'm just talking about these, uh, these naysayers. Naysayer of de delayed, naysayer of discouragement. And this is a tough one also. Uh, look at verse 26 of chapter 17. Chapter 26. The Bible says, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. In verse 28, the Bible says, And Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? With, with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? All right. This can be a tough one. This is, this is the naysayer of disapproval. The naysayer when somebody is questioning your motives. Questioning your motives. Who do you think you are anyway? 
Who do you think you are? I mean, uh, David was accused. What, what his older brother, and, and again, you can get it, right? Anybody got an older brother uh, or somebody in your family that you can imagine? Be like, dude, come on, you know, uh, what are you doing here? Um, so uh, Eliab wasn't happy with David. What he was accusing him of wasn't right. And you know what can happen when people start falsely accusing us? We're, 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 we're being disapproved of. People are misunderstanding our vision. People are misunderstanding our calling. Anybody ever experienced that? I, it's something I feel like Christians experience a lot, honestly. When you start trying to live a life that's holy and pleasing to God, uh, here we are, you know, man, it's Thanksgiving week. You know, we're going into the Christmas season. And I often think about it this time of year because especially for newer Christians, uh, you know, or maybe people that are just newly uh, growing and being discipled in the Lord. Uh, and this time of year, uh, you know, you, you get invited around family things, and all of a sudden you're like, well, no, uh, maybe there's some things the family's not doing, or maybe there's some, uh, just say there's going to be some drinking or something that always goes on at a family gathering that where people really start hitting it pretty hard later on. It's like, well, no, no, I'm not staying. We're going to take off early. Why is that? Oh, no, I just, just not, I'm not, I don't drink anymore or whatever. Oh, so you must think you're really something. You must think that you're, you know, or, or you bring your kids around. It's tough sometimes when you're raising your kids. And, and, and this can happen sometimes even if your parents were people that were in church. And all of a sudden you're like, hey, you know what? Uh, no, mom, dad, we're not doing this with our kids. You know, that's something that we, that we don't really, uh, that we're not really wanting to introduce our kids to. Uh, oh, so you, must, so, so you think you're better than us. Are you, anybody ever experienced anything? Some of y'all are looking at me funny. Anybody ever experienced things like that? Um, it, it's tough. It's tough uh, sometimes. I, and I've talked about it before, but I, I believe it's a real thing. Even down on the job sometimes. You know, when, when you don't partake of sinful conversations and and dirty jokes, and whatever other kind of stuff, you know, oh, you must think you're better than us. And man, I don't think I'm better than anybody, just like David didn't think, that David, what he was saying about him was not true. But the, 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 the discouragement with this naysayer sometimes is, well, I don't want people thinking that about me. So sometimes if we're not careful, we'll try to prove them wrong. By maybe partaking a little bit or accepting because we do not want the rejection. Um, we don't want the disapproval. So sometimes one of the delays that we can face is one is delay, the other is discouragement, another one's disapproval. Your motives being questioned. Uh, man, I, our motives really do matter. You know that? And I've told you this before, but when we talk in terms of judgment, the, the type of judgment, well, there's a couple types of judgment that are really condemned in the Bible. Not all judgment, because judgment is just a word oftentimes for discernment. You know, I mean, right and wrong, better and worse, and so forth. You know, the Bible, and by the way, nowhere in the Bible does, the, does it say, thou shalt not judge. All right? Jesus does say, uh, judge not, lest ye be judged. But here's what he says. For with the same measure that you judge, you're going to be measured again with the same judgment. In other words, he's saying if you're judging, you better make sure that you're measuring up on your end too. Don't be a, a Pharisee, you know, uh, about judgment. But, the, but when it talks about judgment, one that, that Jesus addresses there is an unrighteous judgment that is a hypocritical judgment, you know, to where you're, uh, 
You're judging someone else when you're guilty of something similar or the same thing. But another type of judgment that's really condemned in the Bible is the judging of people's motives. You know, uh, think about, uh, I, I think, about, I'll just use this example. I literally not had anybody say this to me, okay? So um, I'm, I'm not saying this from, from using this for an example. But I know sometimes, for instance, when we as a church, when we're trying to really get people into church, we're trying to have a big Sunday, we're trying to have numbers, all right? Okay, so what you know you know that I'm pushing to get a lot of people here. And not just for one Sunday, but man, all the time. I mean, man, I, so, so, so that's something you know. Now, can you think of an example of an unrighteous judgment to where when pastors or churches are, are, are trying to do something like that, can you think of some ways that where motives are judged incorrectly, Ralph? Yeah, okay, Ralph's back there doing that all oh. Must be meeting, needing some money. Annual business meetings coming around. I wonder if preacher's going to want more money, so he's got to have more people to blah, 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 you know. Uh, you know, what, what's another, uh, another motive for that? Yeah, yeah, like numbers. Numbers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, boy, the more numbers we have, and, and, and then I'll get to call, I'll get to call a Michael, and I'll get to say, Michael, we had this many Sunday. How many did you have? By the way, the reason people think like that is that there's churches and preachers that do that, okay? But my point is, it's unrighteous judgment just to judge someone's motives, to assume that. Uh, so it's, it's not wrong to say, wow, pastor's really pushing to get people here. Well, that's a clear judgment. But an unrighteous judgment is when you begin to judge people's motives. Now, I use that as an example, but you know, where this and I'm just gonna maybe pause right here and it's probably we're probably running out of time but uh, talking about people's motives here uh, I think th this goes into church conflict stuff anybody ever seen conflict in church that's an awful thing isn't it but I'll tell you this much of the conflict that I've seen in church over the years that I have personally had to deal with it's things like. Uh, you know, well, I just, this just came to mind. That's going to use Ralph again. But uh, Ralph came in late today. Just imagine that today we had, uh, you know, Bud was up here giving devotion today. And I'm just using something that'll probably never happen, okay? Uh, but, uh, but Ralph comes in late. And then, so, then, then, then Bud says, well, I know why Ralph came in late. He didn't want to hear me give the devotion today. Right? Bud's fussy like that, y'all. I mean, he's not. I promise you, he's not. But it's those types of things. Uh, anybody ever have a bad day? Uh, you, know, you ought to be a preacher sometimes because you don't have bad days. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, but uh, and I, <laughs> I'm speaking, for, but people think that stuff, right? Uh, but, but the point I'm trying to make is you have a bad day. Uh, maybe you're not feeling well. Uh, maybe you got a lot going on in your place. So, so maybe, you, may, maybe, maybe this particular day, I come in, come straight to my seat, sit down. I just, I'm pretty broke up. It was hard for me even to come today. I'm pretty upset. I'm, pretty, I'm having such a tough time. 
Anybody ever come to church just holding back tears almost from the pressure you're under? And, and you feel like if you actually have to open your mouth and start talking about it, you just might break down. And, and you're just trying to keep it together, come to church, get some help, get a blessing. So you come into church, you're not talkative. Normal, maybe normally you are. Maybe you, maybe you normally you'd go. Maybe normally you'd go speak to Sonia, but you didn't today. You know, and you'd go around and speak to other people in the church. But but the wrong judgment is saying, oh, this is how the devil works. By the way, oh, huh? Wonder what their problem is. Now, does anybody does anybody else have reasons that maybe somebody shouldn't speak to you, or always want to talk to you? In other words, we none of us are perfect people, right? So then we start thinking, I wonder if they don't want to talk to me because of this. Or I wonder this. And all of a sudden we start, and I'm telling you, I have seen things build. I've used this example time and time again, but it's important. It's judging grown motives, and it just grows. Because here's what happened. You know, I came in today with a hard, you know, bearing a, uh, uh, having a heavy heart, like, oh my gosh, you know, whatever. So all of a sudden, man, you walked by me, I didn't even notice you. Because I'm so distracted, I'm so burdened down, I didn't shake your hand. I didn't ask how things were going. Then you walk away saying, huh. I bet preacher's mad because I wasn't here Wednesday. I bet preacher, uh, you know, or whatever, just whatever. And so you start thinking, well, man, that's pretty petty of him. I can't believe he's getting like that. I didn't think he was that way. So then, by the time I come back Wednesday, man, I, I, I fought through it. I'm doing better. I come in, and, I, and I'm myself. Then all of a sudden, I see you coming. I'm like, oh, great, there they come. Uh, I'm going to go speak. I noticed you today because I'm more focused. I'm feeling a little bit better. But all of a sudden, I start to approach you, and I start thinking, huh, something seems to be really wrong with them. Maybe I won't approach them today. Uh, but because all of a sudden, you've, you've had three or four days to think about how awful and how bad things are. And then all of a sudden, you act weird toward me. Now I start feeling, having weird thoughts toward you. And then by next Sunday, it's just all awkward. And now I'm starting to say, you know what? I bet, I bet they're acting weird toward me because of some other thing. And it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And I'm telling you, there's been, there's been people that have fallen apart all over imaginary stuff that honestly started with one person having a bad day, with one person just forgetting to shake somebody's hand or forgetting to speak. Or, um, so uh, in, in marriage, man, isn't it easy to, to misjudge motives in marriage with kids? Oh, you didn't do this, and I know why. Do you really know why? Some of you say, yeah, I absolutely know why. Well, you might be the problem, <laughs> amen? Um, but the point is, uh, it's tough when people, and I guess I'm, I'm, t I'm trying to encourage people to keep going even when you, people question your motives, question what you're trying to do, question what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you know, are, are you... You know, maybe somebody decides they want to get involved and start serving in the church, and somebody says, oh, well, I know what they're after. And by the way, man, hasn't God blessed us in this church? Because I'm talking about a lot of things that, that aren't foreign to us overall. We've seen it. But I'm telling you, by the, by the grace of God, so many of these things are, have been foreign uh, in our church. Now, there's the potential of them there, so it's always good to be, be reminded about it. But by the grace of God, we've been just 
So proud of y'all, just the job y'all have done, man, saying, nope, that's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not what we're about. That's not the norms that we're looking for. Um, I'm just trying to say that by the grace of God, it's something that when we're trying to do something for God, there's going to be people that may maybe question your motives. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't let that be something that keeps you from going and facing your giant. Um, and then as, uh, as time uh, runs out here, I'll, uh, I'll just mention this, this last one. This is a pretty good one. Notice uh, verse 32. This is the last one of these. And I had, my next point was going to be how to defeat the naysayers. And I tried to talk about that, I guess, as we went along. But we'll look at that more maybe on next week. But the last one's going to be in verse 32. The last naysayer. There's more, but it's the last one that we're looking at um, in this text. Verse 32, the Bible says, And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. You know what the last one is? One is delay, one's discouragement, one is disapproval. The fourth one is being doubted. The experts doubted his ability. Have you ever done this before? Is this something, do you really know what you're doing? Well, no. The only thing I know I'm going to do is just trust the Lord. So the experts doubted his ability. What if God calls you to do something that you're not an expert at? <laughs> By the way, that's what he calls us to do. Now, God, a lot of times, man, God calls people a lot of times and uses the gifts they have. And, and we've got several examples of that in the church. But I'm telling you, when it is for sure, when it comes to preaching and teaching, a lot of times, God's not calling people to preach and teach that are just naturally the best at it, okay? Or, or experts at it. So some people will say, well, man, you're not an expert. Does anybody else ever have a struggle? I've, I've shared this with you before, but... Sometimes a delay for mine talking about the, being doubted by the experts. Um, man, come, sometimes it can be a little daunting when you don't know what you're doing or what to do. But here's the good thing about it. The thing that you got to go back to is that calling. I know in whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. God's called me. God's able to perform that which he, uh, boy, I'm mixing a couple verses up here, Dory. Philippians 1, 6, give it to me again. Amen. Being confident of this very thing. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work and you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. So there again, what do, what do you go back to? You got these naysayers. But the main way we overcome it is by saying, you know what, I know God's called me. I know this is what God wants me to do. So I can go face this giant. But you will have naysayers to defeat before. And, you know, so uh, any closing uh, questions, comments, or concerns there? All righty. Well, thank you so much for uh, your patience this morning. And I hope you have a... A great break, and we'll try to get started up right at 11 today.